What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Caleb, and today we're going to be rocking with the top 10 small forwards in the NBA. Uh, You can go back and forth between point guard and small forward in terms of what is the premier position in the league right now. I think point guard has more depth, right? Like guys 10 through 15 are still really nasty and there's a lot of a lot of point guards that would be top 10 in general or that are worthy of being top 10 in general but i think uh the guys one through if we're just going purely matching up one through 10 small forward is the premier uh position in the league right now so i'm excited to rank them uh we got a ton of ton of talent unfortunately sarge was not able to join us today i'm sure he'll be back for power forward and center but uh that means that today we're going to be rolling with the uh with the solo pod the solo pod is it'll be a little bit quicker um a little bit more of my voice i know you guys will miss sarge but uh i'm sure he will be back uh before we get into it officially gotta pour one out for my boy chetty uh people victory lapping him getting hurt bro like come on like people just forget bro like this is a kid who's super super talented who like i just don't i don't understand like I get everyone's different, but I don't understand victory lapping an 18-year-old, 19-year-old getting hurt before he can even step foot on an NBA court. Like that's not that's not exciting. Like that's not that's not something to get excited about. You are not you don't know ball now because you called this injury, bro. It was a slippery court out in Seattle. It's not even Jay Crawford's fault. It was first of all, it was tight. Seattle deserves a team. I mean, they had motherfuckers camping out there for hours before. So just an unfortunate situation. I'd like to think, I mean, I'm not a court guru, but I'd like to think that the injury uh, had to do with the court. And on top of that, bro, like, I love that Chad's been hooping. Like, you just see clips. Like, he's hooping at a pro-am here, a pro-am there, working with Drew Hanlon, like, that you could make an argument that again all the more reason why like hey he might be injury prone he's put too much on his body but at the same time you can tell when a guy just genuinely loves the game and i get those vibes from chat he's pooping as much as he can prayers up to him hopefully the ligaments uh heal quickly and i i don't know i'm not a doctor i'm not dr chow i don't know that he'll be back for a regular season you know with sam presti though bro they're not gonna push that if he's not even if he's not 110 he won't be out there so hopefully we get you know i'm sure we'll see him before this before the season ends but hopefully we see him soon other than that guys please make sure to rate like subscribe all that good stuff i appreciate all the support um that you guys have been giving me on this series and pod in general and regardless i just love doing this so we'll be here no matter what without further ado guys Let's get into the top 10 small forwards in the association. All right, before we even get into the small forwards, we had a fun little trade go down, broke, I don't know, 30 minutes ago or so. Um, And I think it was a win-win for both sides. So let's talk about it real quick. We might as well uh, before we get into the small forwards. So Lakers are going to go ahead and send THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Stanley Johnson out to Utah uh, for Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly was never going to play a game for the Utah Jazz. And I think this honestly is best case uh, for the Utah Jazz because you don't usually get a lot for role players. And I know some people might say, well, they got THC. That's not a lot. 
Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of talent there in a 21 year old. Um, and I think it's a perfect time to just get into like, I think I like, I like, I like NBA Twitter, bro. I love talking hoops with people that love hoops. Right. But I think there's just, a the biggest flaw to it is where a lot of times motherfuckers aren't even arguing the same thing. Like when we talk about better, half of NBA Twitter is talking about more skilled, more talented, and half of the NBA is talking about more achievements and accomplishments and wins and overall, in my my opinion, uh, impact on winning, which is where I stand, where I side. Because at the end of the day, all these guys are super, super talented. It really doesn't matter if you don't translate that into helping your team win a basketball game. If not, go go hoop at a park. You can go hoop at a park and go show off your bag, and that's cool. But in the NBA, you want to help win. And so, uh, you know, back back to the point, I just think this is a win-win for both sides because Patrick Beverly, whether you like him or not, he impacts the game of basketball in his own way. And the reason he's able to do that is Draymond talked about it, and it's not like this. It's honestly somewhat common knowledge, but there's two to three – two to three guys on a team that have offensive freedom, maybe more in certain situations on a team with a lot of offensive talent, but generally two to three guys who can kind of do what they want offensively. Everyone else, bro, you, you have your, if you have a good coaching staff, they've defined a role for you and that's what you do. And Patrick Beverly has 100% mastered the art of being a role player understanding what his niche is, understanding what he's asked to do, and being the best in that role, not going, trying to get out of that, not trying to do too much, understanding what does my team need. All right, bet. That's what you need. That's what I'm going to do. Whereas Taylor Horton Tucker, it's a completely different mindset. He's 21. I know he's been in the league for a little bit, but every single year he's been with LeBron James. And as long as LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the court and shit, Russell Westbrook, he's he doesn't have the freedom to go get you a bucket. You're never going to ask Taylor Horton Tucker to go get you a critical bucket when you have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and if you want, throw Russell Westbrook in there. But for him, he's like, this is what I do best. I go get buckets. And he is talented and he is able to do that. But that's not what his job is. And so he's stuck trying to – he's being asked to do something that isn't right. His main thing that he feels like he contributes to a basketball team. And he's just in a corner. And being in a corner playing next to LeBron is not necessarily where you showcase your ability to go be an isolation bucket. Um, and I think that's, that's honestly, when we're up here at this point with the best hoopers in the world, like that's what kind of separates you like Tyrese Maxey one, he's just better at getting buckets in my opinion, but two, I think the basketball IQ, he understands, all right, I just need to be effective in the touches I get. I'm going to have a lot of space and I'm going to get downhill and do my thing. Whereas Taylor, I still think is stuck in the, uh, Hey, I want to. I need the ball to get my rhythm. I want a couple dribbles. I want to feel it out. I want to dance a little bit. And in Utah, he's able to do that, right? Um, so it's a good opportunity for him. I know he hasn't shown a ton, a ton in LA, but granted, like it's just really hard. Again, 
the game of basketball is a rhythm sport. I know every sport you need you, you got to play with confidence, especially at this level. But it's really hard for a guy like Taylor to do what he feels he do, does best in an off the ball spot up role. Now, in Utah, we'll see. Obviously, Donovan's still there. They still have Mike Conley, Bojan Bogdanovic, and uh, Jordan Clarkson, all of which kind of you know are his position. Uh, Bojan's more of a wing, but Taylor can play some wing. Um, but one would have to think, you know, it's just a matter of time before Danny Ainge pulls the trigger on a Donovan trade. I think he's just one. I think the Rudy trade kind of messed the market up. Um, but two, I think he's just waiting for the right moment because Donovan is not going to stay in Utah to go win 30 games a year. So it's a matter of time. They get a guy who's 21, who is very, very talented. Again, I'm trying to think of a, uh, of an apt uh metaphor on the fly we're gonna just try it's like it's like asking a piano a shit that's not gonna work i don't know i don't know it's taylin is is being asked to do something that he doesn't necessarily do well and honestly he could make it work if he really focused on it but he's 21 and i don't blame him whereas pat bev 100 percent knows what he has to do he's played in in europe he's played everywhere and he got to this point by absolutely understanding that like i think caruso actually had a great shout out alex caruso he talked about how guys in the g league are auditioning to be a ceo or or trying to act like they're you know auditioning to be a ceo when they're just looking for a janitor and janitor might be harsh, but that's that's the idea where, you know, Taylor is trying to show he has this full bag when motherfuckers in L.A. are not asking him to do that. And in Utah, he might be able to showcase a little bit more. So uh, I, I love these trades. Win-win. Makes sense for both sides. And I think, you know, Utah is happy. Absolutely. I mean, just add Taylor Horton Tucker to the haul that they got uh, for Rudy Gobert. He's a guy that at least has untapped potential that you could see progressing. Um, you know, they're not, again, they're not looking to be competitive anytime that soon. Um, and Patrick Beverly is going to help you win within the margins. Anyways, that's that cool trade. Um, let's get into the small forwards. All right. We're going to go one to 10 today. I know we've been mixing it up. One, Kevin, easy money sniper Durant. Um, and I'll just say this right, right off the bat. LeBron James is two. You can absolutely have him either other either way. Uh, it's one A one B. It's one A one A. If you told me LeBron James is your best small forward in the league, I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping, honestly. Um, but for me, I'd rather have Kevin Durant. I think if you if you have a bad team and you need a a guy to drag you to make the playoffs, I'll go Bron. But if you actually have like a cut like a team that could win the title and you have guys around, I'll go Kevin Durant. Um, just because for me, best one-on-one player in the league, maybe, I don't know, maybe you go Joel Embiid, but regardless, if you need a tough, tough, tough bucket, and that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to when, when you really get into the trenches in these games and playoff games, all these, uh, all these sets are scouted and it's just, all right, we, we need you to go get a tough bucket, bro. There's no one better than Kevin Durant. I still, to this day. I didn't grow up watching MJ, so there's that. But 
I, I still to this day don't think there's a better scorer than Kevin Durant. That I don't think the league has seen a better scorer. It's a damn near seven footer with a handle, a three level score. Like that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's like a handle handle too. It's not just like a oh, if they come hard and attack, I can attack a closeout and get downhill. It's any situation I have a handle. Um, and we're just like we're a year removed from Kevin Durant being a big ass toe away without Kyrie Irving with James Harden with one leg beating the NBA champions in the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, I just think, and that's the thing too. He's not just a scorer. He's not just a scorer. He's a good defender. He's such an underrated passer. People don't really realize. I know we got this whole shit going on. I think it's honestly funny. I, again, I talked about it on other pods. Like, I really, I think he has uh, a lot of room to grow as a leader. At the end of the day, though, I think he is who he is. And if I can get a good team around him and have a good coach and tripping about all of that, Kevin Durant to me is the best small forward in the game. And I'm not, again, these guys are so good and the margins are so slim. So you can make an argument that you, you peg him down a little bit based off of last year, but I'm not, not going to do that. I know how good he is. And uh, I'm rolling with him at one. At two, LeBron James, I got to give him his respect. He is either the number one or number two best basketball player of all time. Again, didn't watch MJ, so I personally probably got to go Braun. Um, and it's just crazy what he's doing, bro. Like, all his all his guys that he came in the league with, Melo's barely hanging on by a thread. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, D-Wade retired, like, f- shit, three years ago. And he's out here at an absolute elite level. I know he puts a ton of t- time and, and money into his body. It obviously shows. Um, and honestly, like it was, it was kind of satisfying as a warrior fan to see them miss the playoffs, but like the playoffs are better when Braun is in it. I'm sounding like fucking Draymond, bro. Uh, but for me, like you have to understand, I, I love my warriors, but I try to separate the fandom and just like love of the game when I'm analyzing it. And for me, like what Braun has has done and what he is doing still is incredible. I I think he's a terrible GM. He's a terrible GM. But uh, as a basketball player, he's absolutely incredible. And his basketball ni- mind is, is second to none in that body. It's just incredible. He's lost maybe a little bit of a step, but I think he's made – honestly, he's made up for that a little bit with his jumper. Like, he's no Steph Curry, but like – like he actually has a little bit of a jumper right now. And it's funny because you kind of know it's it's crazy because all these guys, right? Kevin Durant, crazy handle, JT, PG, all these guys. LeBron doesn't even have like this nasty handle, but like he's so good at using his body and he's so big. Uh just once he gets down, once he even gets a step in his downhill, it's over because he will make the right play every single time. And if you don't show that help when he's getting downhill, he's still explosive enough to dunk it. So um, I really do think the Lakers are going to be back in the thick of it. I don't know that they're going to be the title contender, but they'll be they'll be somewhere there in the mix. He's my number two. Number three, Kawhi Leonard, and he's got his own issues of his of his own. That uh, was a little redundant, but uh, I'm still giving him his his respect. 
And uh, I mean, he's he he won a title. He's won a title. I think the Clippers are going to be an absolute problem next year. And he does it in his own way. I love it. That's what I love about basketball is, you know, you put your own. You really can put your own spin and flavor, like more than any other sport. There's just a ton of unique flavor and spin on how you play it. And Kawhi Leonard is, in my opinion, the best defender on this list. And it doesn't get talked about enough at, at how much he's improved his offensive game. Like, I feel like a lot of these guys, besides maybe Jimmy Butler, uh, you kind of already knew offensive demons. Kawhi Leonard was looked at as just like a 3 and D. And not even a 3, just a D guy with some potential there. And this has been like a 120% outcome of what he could be. Uh, shoots the three ball very well, automatic in the mid-range. And he's just such a killer at getting to his spots and understanding how to create space in that mid-range area. He's these long strides, great defender. Obviously, we need to see him healthy. If he if he can't get through this year healthy, all right, we pe- bring him down a, a peg. But, like, when he is healthy, I mean, like, if, if he puts together a fully healthy year, and the Clippers go do something this year, absolutely has a case at number one at this point. He's much younger than Braun and KD. Uh, the guy just has to stay healthy, and he's had a full year off now. Uh, the Clippers, he's got a great coach, a great supporting cast. I'd buy all the Clippers stock you can. Kawhi Leonard is 100% that dude, and uh, he's he slides in at three. Then you got a little break, um, four, five, six even. I think you could they're they're all kind of in their own tier. Uh but four for me is Jason Tatum. And for me, I, I just gave him the nod off the year he had. He gave everything he had and had an absolutely phenomenal year. Um averaged twenty seven, eight and four on forty five from the field, thirty five from three, eighty five from the line, all the attention on him. Um and he's just he's just improved every single year and the the great thing about jason tatum he's only 25 urch let me actually make let me make a double check on that but they were 13.9 points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor last year he's 24 will be 24 heading into this year superstar written all over him if anyone tells you he's not a superstar they either don't watch hoop or they're a hater Jason Tatum is is absolutely that dude. And you saw it this year, right? You, you see rookie year, all right, talent's there. Can he be that guy, though? Can he be that guy? Just steadily improved, and this year he absolutely proved he could be that guy. Um, there were times, that I've talked about it, there were times in that Warrior series, I was never, like, concerned, concerned, but, like, you could see him kind of arriving on the scene, and... Uh, he talked about he played with a fractured something, something. Um, there's that, which I think might have played a factor. And I, I think something that just gets overlooked is, you know, I know he's been in the playoffs a lot. But when you go a whole season as the guy, as the focal point of defenses, and then you go through, you know, three series before the finals where every team knows that you are the guy, you're getting all the attention, and you just show up and you show up and you show up and you show up. It's really, really tiring when you get to that point, and he just, he just ran out of gas. Um, if you know, if that's a fresh Jason Tatum, 
that series probably goes seven and he's going to learn from that. And that was his first real experience in that. So he's only going to get better. Uh, the Celtics are set up so well. They've got such a great core and not only is the core great, it's relatively young. So, I mean, it's going to be the Bucks and Celtics are going to absolutely have some battles out in the East for the next couple of years. He slides in at four, but Paul George is five, Jimmy Butler six. And really it's just, you're splitting hairs here. I think Jason Tatum, I'll go Jason Tatum with the youth. I think he's going to get a little bit better next year. But he's also really, really good as a defender, um, which I love. He he has a complete package. Great passer, too. Um, makes the right play. He's not out there. like I think when you get a score like this, I, I think a lot of times people might label them as just like selfish or trying to get their own buckets. That's not Jason Tatum. He just cares about winning. He'll make the right play. Jason Tatum is my four. All right, number five, PG. Uh, PG is one of my favorite players in the game. Top five for me just in terms of watching. Um, Just the most aesthetically pleasing game, I think, in the league for me right now. He's a 6'9", 6'8", 6'9", forward who handles it like a legitimate point guard. Like, you go down the list like, okay, yeah, KD has a handle. KD actually has a crazy handle. Like, Kawhi, Jason Tatum, you know, these guys have handles. But Paul George has the ball on a fucking string, on an absolute string. He had this clip at a Rico Hines run. I mean, that again, I love those. I love that shit in the offseason. Just starving, horny, hungry for hoops. Uh, where he goes right, pull back between the legs. A little bit of separation. Defenders coming back, pull back between the left. Like I've never seen a right pull back into a left pull back. And he did it seamlessly seamlessly rises up hits it three level score has a floater and uh has a mid-range shot like he can he actually does nothing right he does everything well and i love how he finishes bro like early on it was a lot of just explosive athleticism going up and through guys and he still does that but as he gets older you see it just his understanding of angles and the use of the body, I, I mean, guys like SGA, Luca, James Harden, guys like that who aren't elite, elite athletes who have mastered the way uh, of finishing by just using angles and understanding how to set guys up so that they are going to have a window to get a clean shot off. And that's really, really hard against NBA-level shot prote- rim protectors, NBA-level defenders in general. Paul George does everything well. He scores it. Like I said, all three levels really well. He's a great passer, and he's absolute lockdown. And I think uh, it was just super satisfying for me two years ago, right? Because he had the whole PG or uh, freaking, what was his nickname? Pandemic P. That was so stupid. Like, I get it. Some fans just are in it to shit on guys. I get that. I'm not going to tell you how to consume the sport, but... um. You know, we, you knew he wasn't right. Like, he just – and if you're not mentally right, how are you going to perform at a high level? Like, I just, you know, that that's – and that's what it was. Um, and I felt for him. And so, you come into last year, two years ago, Kawhi goes down. And I, I don't know about you guys, but at that instance, I was like, ah, right, shit. Utah's moving on. That was – 
that was the year that Utah was the number one seed in the West. They looked unreal. Rudy was blocking everything. Donovan was making everything. Everyone, Clarkson, Joe, Bojan, they all were playing their roles well. And PG, as the guy, single-handedly, nah, it's not single-handedly, but he was the guy and won a game in Utah, won that series. And Ty Lue definitely deserves credit, but he was doing everything. He was the point guard. He was leading the team. He led the team in assists, rebounds, and scoring with all the defensive attention on him. And that's why I'm so high. I mean, I still remember in the bubble, I was like, all right, Clippers got this. And then they just exploded. They just imploded. And I think that overall is going to help him. It's why I'm so high on the Clippers. You literally have this team with two top five guys at the premier position in the league. So uh, I absolutely love Paul George. The thing is, like, can this guy stay healthy? He had the shoulder thing. Uh, He's been battling. He's really – he's been – he was super – durable early on and then lately he's just been battling shit so hopefully he gets right because when he is right he's an absolute menace favorite guy uh Seth Curry's my favorite player but just in terms of the game and the prettiness that comes with Paul George there's no one prettier there's he's the prettiest hooper in the league in terms of his game um and for me I'll take him over someone like Jimmy Butler who's six for me and an absolute dog but, like, with me, I just know I have more offensive upside with Paul George. And Jimmy Butler makes up for all that and then some with the dog in him. Um, and you've seen him. Like, we talked about it earlier, right? Like, there's who's more talented and then who's better. I don't know that there's a guy that makes up for, like, there's a bigger, bigger discrepancy between actual talent and impact on an nba game i because usually that's usually that's for uh, draymond's the only other guy that comes in mind that can like kind of draymond actually might be number one but like in terms of time because paul he couldn't hold a candle to paul george in terms of scoring ability but his mind is amazing and he's just such a competitor bro he he eliminates all the bullshit out of the sport and when I say bullshit, I don't want to sound like a grandpa on my lawn acting like these guys are robots. Like, you know, there, there's beauty in all these guys who have crazy dribble moves and have skill. And I love seeing all that. But Jimmy Butler eliminates all that and just hoops. And he's so underrated. Like, people talk about James Harden. You know, he had that. He had that era where he was foul, quote, foul baiting and whatever. Honestly, I respected it. Like, he just understood uh, an aspect of the game that he could exploit and did it. And Jimmy Butler does that. Just it's sneakier. He's just so good. He he has unbelievable body control. So, one, he's always able to find angles to finish. But, two, he knows exactly how to get calls from the rest. He knows exactly how to move his body in ways to get calls. And he's he's just he racks up money at the line. He's just he's getting if if it's a if it's a high stakes game, he's getting the line ten times. Or he's shooting ten free throws. So um you saw it. that Heat team, great coach. Honestly, it's not like they're not talented. Um, but they went to what, seven games with Boston and were a Jimmy Butler three away from potentially winning that game, and I thought Boston was you you saw Boston was way more talented, 
but Jimmy Butler was able to, to narrow the margins there. And that's just what you get with Jimmy Butler. This is as high as I can put him. I mean, you could put him over Paul George. I wouldn't be mad at you. I wouldn't, like, scream at you if you put him over Jason Tatum. I definitely wouldn't agree. Uh, but I wouldn't scream at you. I wouldn't be mad. Um, but for me, he slots in at six. You know what you're going to get from him. I think for me, I know that the regular season is long, but he's another guy where it's like, I'm pretty sure in the playoffs he, like, left a game at halftime because his toe hurt or something. I'm not saying he's not tough, but, like, I don't know. He just had some weird injuries here and there. But we're, we're, we're nitpicking here. Jimmy Butler's an absolute dog, and uh, he slots in at six. For me, seven is going to be Brandon Ingram. Um, and you guys know, if you, if you guys have listened at all, I'm so, so high on motherfucking Brandon Ingram. And he's he's so low-key, but, like, in the 2022 playoffs, 27, 6, and 6 on 48, 41, and 83 from the line. Very small sample size as it was only one series, but only three players, other players in NBA history, uh, average 27, 6, and 6 or better in the postseason. Again, small sample size. But uh, he absolutely made that a series. He absolutely made that a series. And this is another team that I'm very, very high on. I did actually a, a Pelicans team preview, more of those uh, on the way. Um I'm so high on this team because you're getting Zion back, who is a generational talent, uh, one healthy. And then you're pairing him with this guy, who, to me, this is the guy with the, the most upward growth. If you told me Brandon Ingram in three years is the best small forward in the league, like, I know that's kind of a hot take, but I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised. It's going to be him or Jason Tatum or maybe someone shoots up. Because this list, unlike the point guards, most of these guys are vets outside of Tatum and Ingram. Like, they're all established. Um, and there's no guys even really in the honorable mentions that I'm like, oh, this guy could be number one, you know? Brandon Ingram is that dude, and he's the the next in line. I, I really think he's almost a mix of Paul George and Kevin Durant, where he has the length of Kevin Durant, and it sounds funny because it's not like Kevin Durant isn't a skilled hooper. He is. But Paul George has a little bit more, I feel like, wiggle. A little bit more wiggle getting downhill. Where Kevin Durant, he has that wiggle. But I feel like his height is such an advantage. And so he uses that. He doesn't really need to always have that wiggle because he can just go shoot over a motherfucker. Um, and so he does that. Where Brandon Ingram, I think, has the height of Kevin Durant. I think he's a little bit shorter. The height and length of Kevin Durant with the wiggle of Paul George. Um, great passer, too. Another thing that just gets overlooked in these these bucket wings where they're so good at getting buckets, you just don't realize that they uh, can pass, too. But Brandon Ingram is always going to make the right play. And another guy that's just about winning, bro, just gets lost in the shuffle. But like this guy truly does what it takes to win. And you just saw what I love to see is he's such a calm, demeanored guy. But like you really saw that passion. You really saw that fire in these playoffs. And that that fired me up. He was he was electric in that series against the Suns. They get swept without him, obviously. Obviously. But they took two games. They easily could have gotten bounced in the play-ins. He won that game in LA for them. Um 
he's just so, so good. And uh, he's a guy that I, I 100% want to buy stock in long term because he is that dude. He's absolutely that dude. He can do no wrong. He can maybe get a little bit better defensively just in terms of his attentiveness. But offensively, he can do absolutely no wrong. The sky is the limit for Brandon Ingram. And as long as him and Zion can work some sort of balance out, that team is going to 100% be in the mix in the next couple, maybe as soon as next year. I don't know how how good right away they'll be in terms of like next, next level good. but. Um, Brandon Ingram slots in at seven for me. Eight, Chris Middleton, uh, one of the more underappreciated game players in the game. Just goes about his business. And we talked about the THT thing, right? Uh, obviously, Chris Middleton gets the ball and has a little bit more room to operate than THT and a little bit more trust and a longer leash and all that. But Chris Middleton's a great example of a guy who doesn't maybe get the whole like number one workload, but with he works with what he got, with what he's got. Yeah, Giannis is going to get most of those. And yeah, Giannis creates some space for him. And Drew creates some space for him. But when Chris Middleton catches it in a situation and he doesn't get to back it out and dance and dribble, he's still effective. He's still very, very effective. He has the, in my eyes, honestly, probably the best uh, mid-range turnaround game in the league right now. I might be missing someone. Uh, but he just turn, boom, turns over that shoulder and it's money. Cash money Middleton. You can't, you can get a handout, but it doesn't really matter if he's able to turn that shoulder. He's got enough room to get it off. A uh, couple seasons removed from a potential 50, 40, 90 year. Um, he's like the perfect two, three, right? Because he doesn't need the ball a ton. Super efficient. He can just go sit in the corner and spot up. And if you leave him, it is cash. He's a good passer. Good defender, just super, super underrated in this league. Um, given you know his role, he's my. It's as solid as you can get, right? Just as solid as you can get. And I feel like this is kind of the point where it's like, all right, we have seven legit. I, I have no problem saying that Brandon can be a one on a title team. I really have no issues at all saying that. I can say that pretty damn confidently. Uh, Chris Middleton's the first guy where it's like, all right, he's probably not a one. He's not a one on a title team. Uh, but he's a damn good two or three. Or like if you have two guys that are like where him him and Drew are in my eyes pretty similar in terms of caliber and helping you win. Uh, and it's a really good spot to be in. All right. Nine for me, Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Shout out my boy Wiggs, bro. Um, you can make an argument that maybe Dre was the second best player in the playoffs, but I'll give it to Wiggs, bro. He was a uh, plus 140 in the playoffs. That was even better than Steph. Um when he was on the court, plus 140, bro. And I think this is just another great example of fit being everything. Because Minnesota, he gets drafted as the number one pick with number one expectations, and he's asked to be that guy. He's asked to do all this shit, and he's not. Like, that's like, a, it's like asking a penguin to fly, bro. Like, penguins are great birds. Penguins are wonderful birds, bro. And they have wings, but they can't fly. And Andrew Wiggins can be a great basketball player, but he can't be a one. And that's okay. That's absolutely okay. And as soon as he was, as soon as the expectations stopped being him, stopped being, as soon as the expectations stopped being 
you need to be a number one, he thrived. He thrived because he can just kind of pick and choose his spots. There's still times, and it took him a little bit. There's still times where he took some shots where I'm like, ah. But, like, you got to live with some of the mid-range, tough mid-range twos. You can't get a – that's another thing I'm learning. You can't always get a perfect shot. There's 24 seconds. Getting, I don't know, depending on what team you are, 100 to 120 possessions a game. You can't always get a perfect shot. And so sometimes you got to settle for a long two. But other than that, bro, he's – I know part of it is the the space that he's gotten to play with, but he's done a really good job of attacking closeouts, getting to the cup, finishing. He's had some great posters. You've seen it. And he really turned himself into a spot-up like a knockdown spot up shooter and then he'll take the number one assignment he he made life tough for jason tatum he made life really tough for luka Doncic. like he's a a plus in my eyes he's an a plus defender and so we talk about chris middleton middleton has more to his offense wiggins is like the defensive middleton where he's middleton level on defense and middleton level offense on, you know what I'm trying to say. He's like the reverse Middleton is, is what I'm trying to say. I'm so happy he's a Warrior. And we we really, as a Warrior fans and a Warrior organization, we have a tough call because you got Steph, Clay, and Dre. Obviously, Steph, Steph. You have Clay and Dre. But, like, Wiggins was the second best player for us consistently. Not not just in the playoffs, throughout the whole year, in my eyes. Um, and, like, I don't know that they can keep all four Andrew and Poole. I don't know how that works. Uh, but for me, always going to be a fan of Wiggins. Completely on board with doing whatever it takes to bring him back. Um, because on this type of team, he plays such a critical role. Because Draymond's a great defender, but where Draymond honestly is best is not as a one-on-one defender. He's best as a floor general, directing traffic, coming up on the weak side and making a play. And then when he has to defend one-on-one, He'll do it, but he's you know more of a honestly at this point a one-on-one defender on the block down low, as opposed to in space where Wiggins will pick up in space run through. He's, Wiggins is another another thing about him, great at navigating through screens. You set screens and he's just slipping them. He's just dipping his shoulder and just like a DN in the NFL just boop, gets around it. Um, I know some might be like, "Damn, bro!" Like I put whoever I I put the guy you have at ten at nine. I'm going to go Wiggins if I'm trying to win games. That's my Wiggins talk. 10 for me is DeMar DeRozan. He's come a long way. In San Antonio, he was terrible defensively, and I know that's just partly because of the whole system. Been a little better in Chicago. Uh, but I got to show love to DeMar. This might even to some be saying you're not showing enough love at 10. Um, DeMar's a bucket. DeMar's an absolute bucket. But with him, bro, you're not getting great defense, and you can't shoot the three. He's as good as you can be without those two things, you know, um, as a guy who can't really shoot the three and can't defend. Like, you you take those two out of the equation, and it's like, damn, it's really tough. It's really tough for you to be all that good. But you do that, and he's just a, a mid-range assassin. I, I don't think that I've seen him more. St- I talked about the turnaround game with Middleton. It's probably DeMar, actually, and then Middleton. But that he's mastered the if there was no three-point line oh my god dude he'd be elite he'd be absolutely elite i've never seen a guy with just 
that level of footwork in the mid range, in the mid post, up fakes. He'll up fake 75 times till you jump and then he'll up and under. He'll post spin, get to the bucket. He'll post spin, fake a shot, reverse pivot back the other way and take a jumper. Like it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful watching him work. But again, doesn't defend, doesn't shoot the three. And you saw they have a an all star in Vooch. They, I think the Bulls are a perfect example of like winning winners. Not that Lamar's not a winner, right? It's just you can't have a team based with DeMar and Zach Levine as your main guys and, and want to go far. That's a second round exit waiting to happen. And that's, and it was a first round exit this year and it'll be a similar thing this year. First or second round exit. I'm not trying to turn this into a DeMar hate pod, but uh, that's where I'm at. And, but I, I think he's 10 for sure. 10. Some guys that just missed the list. Uh, McCall McCall, honestly, if I'm building a team, I would rather have McCall than DeMar. I'm just giving respect to De- DeMar. And again, it just comes down to, all right, you're not that 1A. You're not even that 1B for a championship team. Then I'd rather just have you be elite at your role. McCall is that. And I do think McCall uh, is an example of, you know, he could get lost in the sauce and try and showcase that he can create on ball a little bit more. Uh, but he's just a smart basketball player. He has that IQ and he understands, hey, I got D-book and CP. That's not me right now. Maybe in the future, but there are flashes here, uh, here and there of him being able to do a little bit more. I could see it. Uh, Sadiq Bay, super inconsistent shooting uh, this past year, but he's just a gym rat. Love the size and physicality. Love the defense, um, and I like the like shot profile. I think he's a baby Middleton. If I think the best case is a baby Middleton, I think he can get there. I don't think he's anywhere near that yet, but I I, I see flashes of that. Keldon Johnson, uh, more of a Undersized power forward doesn't really have like the the profile of a small forward, but has the body for it. Um, we're gonna see what Kelvin Johnson is made of this year because he, I mean, that's gonna low key. That's his team. Um, Josh Hart really took a, a step forward last year. He's a guy who was like, all right, just this is a role player, six man type guy, and he's nah. I'm not even gonna say that. I'm not even going to say that. I, th- I think he's proved he's more than that now. I know he was in Portland where he could do whatever the fuck he wanted. Um, but I think he showed more than enough there to be like, all right, you're starting in this league. You're really damn good. Um, he missed the list. Franz Wagner uh, is is up there. If It's going to take maybe a little bit, but oh, my God. 6'10", three-level score, gets downhill, great passer, bright, bright future in this league. If Scotty Barnes was a small forward, he'd damn near be on the top 10, but I'm going to consider him a power forward. He's really tough because it's like he's a power forward body, but he has guard traits. So it's like, what is actually is he? Um, And then Kyle Kuzma. Fun year for him in Washington. Another guy where it's like, all right, you're in the LeBron shadow being asked to. That's actually a great fucking, like, THC should look to Kuz and be like, that, that is what I want. That is what I want. And he has that opportunity now. Kuz finally got to um, show a little bit more. Show a little bit more. Right? He, he like was a volume score before Braun, and then Braun got there. And he play, I gave him I, ultimate respect to him because he could have 
kept on just trying to show everyone, hey, I got this bag, you know, I can, I, I can do this. But that's not what they needed from him. And he understood that, and he bought in. And as a result, he has, he's a champion for it. So um, I'm not necessarily super sold on Kuz, like, as a guy guy, but, like, he showed that this year, you know, he can be a starting wing in this league. Doesn't quite make the top 10, but he's there for me in the honorable mention. All right, guys, that is going to just about do it. Um, short, sweet, to the point, to an extent. Um, and uh, we'll be back with our power forwards next week. I'm going to keep getting these uh, these team previews out. I've only done one, but like we're kind of in this dead zone. I don't want to do them too early, but I'm going to trickle in a couple here, and then we'll pick up. Uh, with more frequency as we get closer. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I love you. I really do. I love you. I love doing this. I love talking hoops. At Malaga, at Hoops Drive on Twitter. At Malaga Drive Hoops on Instagram. If you ever want to talk. If you ever did. Shit, bro. I don't care. Like, if you disagree with something, tell me. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Hit me up. Love you guys. Sleep well. Good morning, whenever you're listening to this. We'll talk soon. Peace.